All right, friends, we've got a special episode today. Uh, many people often ask, you know, what is Inverse? You know, is it a podcast? Is it a community? What's really going on? Well, in many ways, yes, it's all of those things. And so, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. And so one of the things that we are going to do is start a new series and it's going to be called Inverse's Own, right? It's our own folks from Inverse. It's this beautiful community um, that is often behind the scenes that uh, we're bringing to the mic. And uh, we're really excited about just the amazing folks that have been a part of this journey from all around the world. And so uh, you get to hear our very first uh, guests in this new series that we'll be interspersing through all the other episodes. And that is of Tamise Spencer-Helms. Um, she's not just a beloved member of the Inverse community. She is a change maker, a published author, speaker, and theologian based in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, after 16 years of full-time ministry, she founded Subculture Incorporated, a nonprofit that provides holistic support and crisis relief for Black college students. In addition to her bachelor's degree in religious studies and copywriting, Tamise has an MA in contextual leadership and an MA in theology. Uh, Tamise lives in Richmond with her spouse, Ellison, her daughter, Harlem, and her puppy, Beacon. And again, she's our first ever our own guest on Inverse. Over the years, Tamise has been a change maker and a pioneer for young people in her community. Throughout her life, she has connected, supported, and ministered to countless young adults and college students. Her friendly and down-to-earth approach, which you'll see in a moment, uh, to public speaking and teaching, as well as her dedication to the theological study, has helped empower and inspire people in her community and much beyond that as well. Tamise lives in Richmond with her spouse, Ellison, her daughter, Harlem, as we said, and Beacon. And in her spare time, she loves to dissect and listen to hip hop, which we've talked about before, watch documentaries, <laughs> savors a little whiskey. You know, maybe we've talked bourbons uh, later. Hey, and then uh, also eat Ellison's homemade pizza and relax again at home with her family. So, Tamise, welcome to Inverse's own uh, series. Thanks, guys. It's good to be here. Hey, fam. Yes, I will say <laughs> that pizza is, I'm just trying to tell y'all. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> How's it going? Good to be here. Oh, it's great to have you with. Maybe we should start by just saying thank you. Thank you for the um, the important part you've played in this incredible community, the way that you've been a blessing. And what we're our our heart and hope with this series is that people would would catch a little bit of um, these have been some strange years, like these last few years, and um, the the gift that this community has been, that's what we want uh, people to, to get a sense of. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll start where Inverse usually starts, which is simply like, what is a passage that has been liberative for you um, uh, that might have come up as you've thought about Inverse and this community and uh, how it has been weaved into your journey these last few years? Yeah, I mean, a passage that makes me think about my involvement with inverse would be that I think it's Psalm 68. I'm not sure, mm. but the idea that God sets the lonely in family. Um, mm. And to me, this community is the manifestation of that for, for me personally. Um, the fact that like, I feel 
so knit to members of this community that like I've not felt friendship and kinship with before ever mm-hmm. um, to be mm-hmm. able to, I, I might cry. I saw some people pop on and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I might cry. These are my, this is my family. Like these are, mm-hmm. this community is holding me. They're gassing me up. They're mm-hmm. sharing my stuff. Like, but at the end of the day, I know I can send the text and say, I can't sleep, you know, like mm-hmm. things like that, where it feels like I'm able to fully be fully lean into like gifting, but then be yeah. me and be celebrated for being me. And I've never been able to do both of those things at the same time. So I just, I like, wow. it's really hard for me to even describe um, the level of groundedness that comes with being involved with with this community. I, I feel grounded. I feel like I carry these people with me. I think about them throughout the week. Like it just feels like having a real uh, feels like having real homies. <laughs> mm. And it just it's just amazing. Like I I so I would say that that is the passage when it comes to this um, this community passage I've been chewing on. I've been stuck in like Genesis three and first Corinthians 15 and like Genesis three for a few years, first Corinthians 15, maybe since like 2023 hit, like I can't get out of them. I can't stop asking questions. And so it feels really good to have to be like a dog with a bone again and have a passage mm-hmm. that you're like just marinating on for a long time. So those would be the passages for me. I do love scripture. Definitely yeah. love scripture. So Anybody who knows you well knows that. And, I mean, maybe that's a great thing of an international community, Drew, that if you do have stress or anxiety-induced insomnia, you have friends in New Zealand or Australia or Norway or Kenya or the UK or wherever that you can ring and know that you're not waking somebody else up but they're already about their day. Um, yeah. To me, is there a particular scripture that you would like to to read that we can explore later on? Um, they're all good options. This is just an invitation to... Um, you, you, you drill down somewhere that you, you want to gnaw some. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to just give it to y'all. It's not fully developed. I've been thinking about it. Mm. It's 1 Corinthians 15. And um, it's obviously we know that that's about the resurrection. But then in verse 28, this is what I've been chewing on. When all things, I'm reading from Jewish annotated. Uh, when all things are subjected to him, meaning God, our parent, the son himself, who in this case is Jesus, will also be subjected to the one who put all things in subjection under him so that God may be all in all. And it talks about how the last de- the last enemy is death. Mm. So death is swallowed up in victory. And then Jesus takes this whole storyline and holds it o- and hands it over. And it's almost like, OK, now that's the actual beginning. Like we've always looked at the end of this thing that we call pilgrimage and Christianity as like going to heaven or, you know, I, I was at a a very charismatic ministry that was very interested in eschatology. So did a lot of study in the book of revelation. So some people think you don't talk about it. Other people think like, Hey, it's a city, but either way, first Corinthians is saying, Oh yeah, but that's like not the it it. Like that's not the end in. The end in is when Jesus hands the whole thing over and God is all in all. So then you got to ask like what does that even mean? Ooh, God is we all have some in places all. places to go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this is 
gonna be good. This is good. Yeah, yeah. So that's me. That's where I'm at. I, I can't. I can't wait to go into that. I'm sorry. I'm already hyped yeah. about it. Yeah, I love good. the excitement. I love it. I love it. That's good. Yeah. So we're gonna we'll just let that simmer, right, for a little bit. We're just gonna let that simmer. But, um, so going back to thinking about your own story and your own involvements, um. In fact, I can't. Rem- I mean, I know you were already a part of Inverse, but I remember, like, really in terms of the retreats. Like, I was like, "Oh, so this is Tamise," you know. I was like, oh, "Tamise, cool." But, yeah. but I'm really curious about how you would think about um, your inter- how your life intersected with the Inverse community, and particularly, um, you know, how would you say? W- would you say that it was transformative? For your life, for your faith in any particular ways? And then how might that contrast with maybe um, what your experiences have been in other faith communities? Have you found faith communities to be liberative, oppressive, something else? How how would you track and talk about your journey? Each of our journeys are a little bit different. Yeah, I uh oh gosh, I don't know why I feel emotional. So really, like this is the the difference is like I was trying to bag Ellison. So that's how I actually got involved with Inverse <laughs> because Ellison was going to Subversive Seminary when we started dating. Yeah. And so I think, babe, what book, I don't remember what book y'all were on. I think y'all were doing the um, uh, Christ Crucified book. Oh, yeah. M. Sean Copeland's mm-hmm. book. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we started, uh, they were going, I was like, well, if you're going, I'm going. So I started to show up and then I realized like, wait a minute. I've never, like, I did not know inverse exists. I did not, I didn't know, um, to be able to come into a community that was like, okay, we're going to model that, you know, uh, the people with the most privilege go last and are first in observing. I mean, it was just like, what is this world? (laughs) Like, I didn't know it existed. And so it was kind of like, yeah, it's almost like the quintessential story of like a person that goes to youth group to get the person they like it's kind of similar (laughs) except that like i like was like what like this is the place for me like i mean immediately like i think that the first time i came um i I, like sat in on one and then y'all did the watershed book after that so Mm -hmm. i jumped in on that so that's when i really like started meeting different individuals and was like this this place is like I it's it, there aren't words and I and I'm okay with that because I think that most things that are divine are hard to explain but like the idea that there was a group of people who love the things you love who are angry about the things you're angry about mm. and who know how to have fun but yeah. the only thing they're not doing is like inauthenticity and to mm-hmm. me there was such an invitation to that personally and I was walking that road like by myself I mean I'm falling in love with a person I'm losing everything um and then you end up finding this community of like people who love Jesus that have space for you they're not asking questions they're not questioning whether or not you actually love the Lord they're not questioning whether you love scripture they're not asking you to like change in order to belong to this group of people and it was like I don't know if I've ever done community like this ever so I I can't Life is difficult. You know, there are difficult parts, but in terms of like my being, I feel so settled because I'm like, this is how we've been called to live. Like, like I'm actually doing, I'm doing the thing. I have the community. I, I have a sense of self. I have a fearlessness about my worth, you know, and having all of those things grow out of me just trying to like win somebody over. Um, 
is kind of the okie doke. <laughs> Jesus does the okie doke all the time. But for me, that was the entrance like into the inverse community. And I have never been a part of a community like this. Not, not ever. I mean, you, people love what you create for them to love. And I'm a three on the Enneagram. So that was really easy to do. So being loved in a community when I didn't have time to create it, that like actually being loved for who you are and Mm. having to go through so many like intimate and vulnerable parts of my own story in this community. It's just like, this is home. Like this is, this is fam, like honest Mm. to goodness fam. And I don't, I really can't explain it other than that. It's really powerful. Wow. So um, this next question, Drew wrote this question. I love it. Um, But I'm going to give a proviso. Other than OM3 holding up your book and telling everybody (laughs) that Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III thinks that your book is dope Mm -hmm. and wants everybody to go buy it. So that that experience aside, um, what other experiences would you name that that had been life-changing in the inverse space are there particular things that you can think that um uh this is something that um uh you know there's a stack of rocks here now for me um because of the encounter that i've had here yeah i mean i think first would be like first thing that comes to mind is family branch so Mm. what amber i don't know i don't want to cry was able to create Mm -hmm. um in that and like my family brunch family are the group that that was gathering on those sundays i just that was a derivative of inverse right and so even more grounding and and even more Mm -hmm. like rooting so there was that there was sarah quint when sarah did that night at watershed and i was like Mm -hmm. on the floor Mm -hmm. for 72 hours Mm -hmm. you know like gosh then Knowing that, like, I'm living, I mean, so these are parts that are, like, very, like, intimate and personal, but knowing I'm living on Sarah's people's land. Like, I didn't Mm. know that. And so connecting the dots, like, with, okay, like, I'm going to enter more into, like, thinking about ecology and things like that, because now this is Auntie Sarah's land. Like, we got to make sure we're treating it a certain way. So just even Mm. how this community has made me a better human than Naya, like, in my house, asking me a question and was, I was almost done writing the book. Who I don't want to cry. Um, I, I was almost done writing the book and, um, Naya just asked the question. Of, well, I don't even remember what the question was, but it was like something. And I started to talk and you know, like when your voice starts, mm-hmm. like you're like, Oh snap, I'm crying and I can't stop it. It's coming. <laughs> like it beats you to the point. <laughs> Naya asked me a question. I realized I had not dealt with trauma from Harlem. And so there's a whole chapter in the book that would not be there without Naya. Like, it's just, I mean, so there's that. I mean, Anastasia, I mean, there's this, like, teaching us to pray, to hold space, taught me, like, now I don't pray without taking deep breaths because of Mm. that. And then you guys threw us a shower. We were, I mean, good grief. Like, our, uh, this is all personal, but it is what it is. Like, we were getting married and it was lonely. We had nine people at our wedding because of, you know, and like finding out that we had a shower, Rochelle sent like, like hip hop, like rap video champagne to the shower. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do we have? We had, uh, 
Cristal, something. I was like, this is like some hit. This is like Biggie type stuff. <laughs> so they sent us champagne. They threw us a shower. All of like so many people were there to celebrate us, to prophesy over us. Like Tabitha will send me texts at two thirty in the morning. It, it's just mm. it's to feel like, um, like to feel like you. Uh, someone asked me yesterday about whether I was going to write again and and like whether. I felt like, oh, are you going to be successful? And I was like, I already feel successful. Like mm-hmm. I have a bomb spouse, I have a bomb community, I have a bomb kid, and I get to do some of what I love, you know, for mm-hmm. a living. Like it doesn't fit for OM3 to have the book, right? Those types of things. Mm-hmm. It feels like this, I, am I going to glory? <laughs> like, because these <laughs> always felt like things that would happen you know, on my way out, like, psh, I'm mm. out, you know, here you go, KBD, here you go, I'm three, like, maybe they'll say something about me when I'm like 70 or something. But like to have that happening now and feeling like, I don't know where life is about to go, but this is the first time I've never been afraid. Uh, Cause I feel grounded. Wow. Like, I feel like The people in my life could care less if I only have one book, like, you know, they're not about that. It's really helpful for me. Um, so I don't even know if that answered the question, y'all. But oh, I just have so much love for this community. I mean, like, it's, it's I, I, could, I can't explain it. Well, <sighs> as you can see, you are deeply, deeply loved uh, in this community and deeply appreciated. And so um, that's just really powerful to hear. I mean, it, you over answered, right? You gave so many different examples. Um, and so as I'm thinking about, again, just your experience, wh- one of the other things that we're interested in is like, are there ways in which you feel like, are there particular beliefs or practices that have shifted, transformed uh, since being a part of the community? What, how has interacting with this community impacted you in terms of your own belief and practices? That's really good. I think um, the thread in my life has been like communion. And so Mm. when Amber started Family Brunch and the way that Tabitha just created, I mean, we all kind of, so this real quick, the story of the liturgy that we use in Family Brunch, like we had one, Tabitha brought one, and then everyone just started saying, hey, this is a little bit triggering, or I don't like the language there. So we really collectively communally created a liturgy around communion so Mm -hmm. now when we come to the table we break the bread like there are pieces of of who we are pieces of our healing even pieces of our trauma in the ways that we partake of the body of christ like Mm. there's just like i think in terms of praxis um realizing that like I can actually say, cause I think, I think I don't remember Tabitha, but like, um, it was something about, uh, we don't love, or we don't love you as we ought, um, or something like that. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I love Jesus. I don't need to say, I don't love Jesus. I would like to love Jesus more, but to say that I don't love God, is not true of me. And I will not, I will not participate in liturgy that says otherwise. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't that deep and like angry or whatever, but like, um, but I like we talked about it. It was like, hey, like, can't we say that we do love God? Can we own that and then say we want to love God more instead of saying mm-hmm. that we're wretch and you know we don't love you enough and all of that stuff? I wouldn't want to hear that from Harlem. Like, so, so I think like those types <laughs> of things like really have been have made um, liturgy and sacrament really um, 
like earthy and like stretchy for me again, <laughs> instead mm. of like rote things that you're handed that you have to just kind of repeat after the pastor or something like that. Like it feels really communion feels really, really. Um, yeah, I guess earthy, earthy would be the, the word. Mm. Yeah. So I think for me, Drew, like that in terms of sacred practice, that would probably be yeah. the main thing that sticks out. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So good. Um, the next question Drew's got here, and um, are, are you able to describe a moment when you felt deep belonging and support from this community? Uh, now, I, I know you've mentioned a bunch of things which, like, parallel that, but maybe this is an invitation to to go even deeper. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so, like, when the book came out, um as Naya prayed, <laughs> I have a real issue with imposter syndrome, right? Like it, it, mm. it, um, and it's not hard for me to be likable, I guess. It's hard for me to be likable and in my skin and present mm. to the moment. Um, mm. I've done being likable and, you know, being dissociated. <laughs> people didn't know yeah, what I was wow. building or not, but not with this community, right? Like the, the people assist, <laughs> you know, like I'll have like um, Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca will call me out like, sis, are you grounded? Like, are your feet on the ground? Like, this is what we're not doing. Like, things like that, I feel like. So when the book came out, we did this, I don't know what we called it, a kiki, prayer, prophesy, something party. It was just whatever you do, bring it. Because <laughs> I'm really nervous. Um, we're having the launch in the morning. And I just knew, um, I just knew that the process of releasing something like that into the world was going to come with backlash. And I just felt strongly from the Lord right around the time that we finished the the draft. Like you need to um, like speak over this moment. Like you need to have people prophesy over you. You have, pe- you need to have people praying for you and covering you. And so we did this thing and like, Everybody brought drinks and prayed over me. And y'all, there were people from this community. I mean, just from my life all together, mm. like praying and um, telling me that you deserve this. This is your story. It's okay. Like, like walk in light, like walk in your truth. And to feel like um, you have people who are as excited about a project as you are, um, like it just felt like, oh, I did do something. And like I remember telling um Naya, like, the book is good. Like, you know, mm. like it, it's actually good. Like we read it uh-huh. again. I was like, okay, like, okay, it's a good book, you know, but having having friends be like, duh, like <laughs> right. I don't know how to explain it, just to feel like your friends have you, they believe in you, and it's not fake, and they don't think you're fake. I think that's been the hardest yeah. thing for me is you navigating these waters. Sometimes you don't know who is fake and and what's real and who's authentic. And it's really weird waters to navigate, but I don't, like I said, I don't feel afraid because I have people that be like, sis, you are, (laughs) you tripping or are you okay? Can you say no to that? Like, you really don't need to go to that. Like, it'll be fine. Um, So those would be instances like the little zoom parties. People came to my Mine and Ellison's um, wedding shower. I mean, mm. came all the way to Richmond to celebrate us. So it's just like those are the moments that I'm talking about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's so good. Yeah. And I, when I was hearing you talking about like, like even just the, you talk about imposter syndrome and kind of like there's something powerful about the kind of communal affirmation, right? Yeah. Um, 
just to when you're not seeing your own gifts, right? When you're not even seeing yourself and all that you bring into the world, but then you've got a whole community around you that yeah. Um, yeah. helps you see all that you are and all that the gifts that you offer to others as well. So yeah, mm. this is powerful. But um, to, to steal from like one of your chapters in your book, which is out now and people can find um, <laughs> in any good bookstore. Um, uh, part of meeting white Jesus in hell is the isolation mm. and white Jesus can't save you. That's right. uh, the Jesus of the gospels can, <laughs> but um, it, it's part of actually the salvation package is that individualization um, um, and the loneliness, which comes with that, right? Like, uh, I hear in your story that you've actually found community where it's this isn't just your book. This is our book. Mm. This is this is something that like um, like if we're going to take the language of family seriously about this ecclesia and and being a community together, this is ours, and we're proud of you, and we see you, and um, uh, this is so important to celebrate together because. Here's our sister, and look what she's done. Thanks. You make us look good. <laughs> well, I did just get it twisted up, you know, a little, hey, little hey. edge up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thanks, yeah. So, so playing off of that, Jared said, you know, why Jesus can't save you. And you started us off with 1 Corinthians 15, which is not why Jesus, right? The actual mm -hmm. liberative first century Palestinian Jew who lived under Roman occupation. Uh, can you take us uh, to 1 Corinthians 15 a little bit? Okay. Enter us into conversation around this text. Let's uh, let's chop it up. Let's have a conversation around what you're seeing in this and what we might glean as we dialogue together. Oh, 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read again um, from... I'm going to go from 20 to 28 if that's cool, just to kind of. Yeah. So, but in fact, you know, Paul is setting it up and he's saying the hinge of, of what makes you a Christian is this resurrection. Um, and so then in 20, he goes, but in fact, um, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as in Adam all die, so all will be made in, alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler, every authority, and every power. For he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put everything in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that this does not include the one who put all things in subjection under him. So it means that basically there's one person left. <laughs> right. When all things are subjected to him, then, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who put, who put all things in subjection under him so that God may be all in all. Okay, so what I'm visual, I'm a visual person. So I visualize this mutual um like joy and desire to give, <laughs> like to lay down, to 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 like um um to take all those things and offer themselves. And then at the very end, you offer yourself and God is all in all. We have no idea what that means, but what that's done for me as a person who is still like 
I don't know what I want to call myself these days, but I do know I'm ardently in love with Jesus. Mm. And I believe this testimony about Jesus. Like, that's what I believe. I don't necessarily know how it all looks. Um, I don't necessarily think it all looks the same as I thought it did. But there's something about this passage that gives me hope because it's so expansive. Mm -hmm. And it gives me hope because it says God is all in all. Like that phrase is so ambiguous. Like, and to me, I think about efforts in like evangelism and, and, and like missions and, you know, being a part of all of these uh, ministries over the years and the, the urgency to like save people and like all of this stuff. I see this passage and I'm going, Oh, like it puts, it puts me in a a place of peace. Mm. Um, it makes me excited that, that people stop dying, whatever that means. But what it really speaks to me is that love is stronger than death. That is the message of Jesus that like, Mm -hmm. if you do love in this world and in this life, it may get you killed. And the Mm -hmm. promise is you won't stay dead, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. We don't know whether that's, we don't know. We know that it's a heavenly body. We know that um, there are different glories to it, but the, the, the expansiveness of this passage that was so this is the passage that makes you Christian in a, in a sense, right? Like this is mm. on the resurrection of Jesus. This is what yeah. makes you a different sect in Judaism, right? Like God raised this Jesus from the dead. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that and you think about the fact that even after that, there is a beginning that we don't even have written out here. Like all we have is God's in everything and everything is in God. Say law, mm-hmm. close the curtain. Mm. Do you know how much humility that creates, how much um, curiosity that creates, how how it can kind of like diffuse how exclusive and angry we act about other ways of thinking about God? It, why? Mm. This is where it's going. <laughs> like, yeah. this is where it's going. So if that's where it's going, let's start there and like, let's work backwards. Um, mm-hmm. And that has com- completely changed in the last year like completely changed how I think about spiritual practice, how mm. I think about um, it, it, it has changed even my press pressure to figure out eschatology. Cause you know, like I did theology, right? Like I did all those things and people oftentimes will say, well, what do you want to, what do you believe now about sin? What do you believe now about the cross? What do you believe now about all these things? It was like, I don't know, but I know this is where it's going. So mm. <laughs> I, I got time to figure it out, right? Like, and even if I do figure it out, it's not going to matter because this is where it's going. So yeah. it feels very calming. And I remember like thinking about how a passage like this might've been scary for me, right? Like, cause well, what are we, what are you supposed to walk away with this with? Like, <laughs> what are the tools from this passage? There are none. The tools are, this is where it's going. Start there, work backwards. Mm-hmm. And And I think, can you just imagine like, doing society, doing politics, doing money, doing relationships, starting there instead of mm-hmm. like, there is this day coming where everything gets crushed. And I mean, the way that I learned about eschatology was not cute. I mean, it was real. They were gully with it, the way they described it in the place that I was at. And so recently, I think in light of the times in which we live, of course, I'm thinking about eschatology. I mean, hello, mm-hmm. it's real mm-hmm. into me right now. So like thinking about starting my 
re jumping into eschatological study and like thinking about what might be going on and where why, where might we be going? Like right now I feel really excited because I'm like, well, this is where we're going. It just feels so calming. <laughs> like, mm. Just like, whew, you leave me befi- beside still waters. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so that's, that's where I'm at with it. I don't know what y'all think about it. And again, yeah. it, it's new. I just started chewing on it. Um, but I just don't see what I was always told was in this passage. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels exciting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll jump in that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. And I think I loved how you focused in on the God is all in all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it, it it does it it does tie in for me like just a, a healthy theology and a vision of shalom, right? Which we don't know all the spe- specificities of of what the end of empires will look like exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, but we get glimpses, right, uh, yeah. through Isaiah and others, right, of what that looks like, and it's beautiful, and it is it's nothing to be anxious for, right? It's something to desire, it's something to hunger and thirst for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when it was, when I'm thinking about you talking about how people use like the book of Revelation, right? And try to, I call it the Da Vinci Code chase, right? They're trying to decode. And <laughs> not enough adventure in their life or, you know, maybe they just, just finished watching Nicolas Cage on some treasure hunt or something, whatever. And so they're trying to, you know, play that game themselves yes. um, rather than imagining both 1 Corinthians 15 and the book of Revelation as a first century would have heard it. Someone within the first century would have heard it, right? Um Babylon, Rome, these mm-hmm. what are these authorities, right? And mm-hmm. rulers that are going to be subjected, right? Yeah. This, this is the end of empire, right? Um, yeah. It's the end of domination. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that we can be excited about without needing to, um, yeah, mm-hmm. play the kind of, which the United States certainly played an enormous role in terms of the, uh, what dispensational pre-mill yeah. Yeah. all of that you know i mean mm-hmm. american evangelicals took that and not that <laughs> we, we might not have invented it uh but we took it so perfected it. it and then exported it everywhere right um and so um and it's not been healthy for the church because it's not led people to live beautiful lives it's not That's led right. people to it's actually not led people out of empires it's actually led people some often too often into empire practices That's right? right yeah and so it's it's so i think this vision of god is all in all and just the implications of the resurrection of jesus christ it is a game changer Yes. It's huge. Mm. It's mm. um and I think sometimes we miss that because for many, I don't again, American Christian, many the resurrection's not even that signif- significant. It's like an yeah. optional add-on, right? Or a proof yeah. text. Um, yeah. but it's not significant to their faith in and of right. itself in terms of who God is in Jesus Christ. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and the uh, only parts of like broad brush strokes here, but the only parts that do care about it care about it as a doctrine, not a practice. That's right. That's right. They, they care about it as something you must believe, not a, a, a new way to like actually be in the world. Yeah. And um, like 20th century, like um, the imperial 
um, reality that has become American foreign policy. Dispensationalism has actually fueled and provided a, a spirituality for the chaplaincy to that empire. Oh, yeah. Um, right. And uh, I, I mean, Billy Graham and his personal integrity um, aside, part of the reason why his popularity became such a big thing is that in the midst of a Cold War, um, if you're able to mix in um, what happened in 1947, um, with like after the Shoah, after the Holocaust, you have, um, uh, uh Jewish people like supposedly making, um, a, a land for a people, for a people without a land where you forget that actually like, well, Palestinians have been here, um, uh, you know, since Pentecost and mm-hmm. <laughs> haven't, haven't gone anywhere. Um, uh, but then you have uh, American dispensational theology actually fu- fueling foreign par- policy in the yeah. midst of a Cold War reality. Yes. And th- this is part of the popularity of this kind of theology is that it does fuel foreign por- policy, yeah. which means that you can have a quote-unquote personal relationship with Jesus while you ignore him and actually long for and desire the opposite of what he teaches in history. Mm-hmm. So um, Jesus teaches me to love my enemies, um, but I- I'm going to let love be like I'm not going to harbour any bitterness towards them while I bomb them. Right. Um, and that's as far as the gospel goes. And then you wonder, like, w- w- why is this Christianity so toxic? Denise, the thing that I love so much is that you've been able to, uh, like your your testimony just then around that theology, I'm hear, hearing this gentle work of exercising from your soul, mm. this kind of theology, and mm. um, this gentle whispering of um, these texts over the realities and just um, uh, almost with like a broom, just gently pushing out, this stuff doesn't belong anymore. This stuff mm. doesn't have space in my heart, in my soul. Um, it, you can't stay here. We're making a space that's clean enough because Jesus wants to play here. Mm. Um, and that's that's such a, once you, as you put it, once you realise where you're going, mm. you realise that it's coming here, mm-hmm. right? Like it, once you realise where it's going, you can relax into like this moment and who I am and um, how it connects to Jesus's detoxifying of our shame means that we can be at peace with ourselves and actually welcome in God's future. So the Jewish hope that um, as Habakkuk, but I think Americans pronounce it differently, right? Like you managed to say it like Chewbacca. How, how do you guys say that book in the Bible? Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk. Isn't Habakkuk, right? Well, even in the US, I think people say so Habakkuk and Habakkuk. I've, that's the right, two okay. ways that I hear it. <laughs> I, I, I like the Chewbacca option of saying it as well. Don't get me wrong. Like this is the diversity in the, but from the book of Chewbacca, no, no. Um, in, in terms of Habakkuk um, two fourteen, like uh, th- this is this is the Jewish hope that the glory of the Lord, like the beauty of the Lord, will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. Yeah, there, there's the hope. It's not us going somewhere, but where history is going is that that beauty is coming here. Yes. And you, you can see, um, and I know hip-hop's your world, like, and, and if we think of um, uh, certain uh, Compton-based hip-hop artists that have uh, been given the highest literary honours in, in the world uh, mm-hmm. while writing hip-hop, but like um, Kendrick's latest album and his leaning on, um, uh, oh, what, what's the 
it's been a while since I've been in the um, popular um, spirituality section of a bookstore, but um, help me out. Um, uh, Eckhart Tolle, there we go. I don't know um, what you're talking about, Jerry. You know more than me. But he, Eckhart Tolle is um, somebody that Oprah Winfrey lifted up and he's kind of be here now um, wow. uh, to take from Ram Dass. But he, his, um, his, his book um, uh, and his books have all been about, like, instead of this text reading um, uh, God will be all in all, um, his kind of eschatology reads God, will, God is everything. Yes. And yes. it's similar, right? Like you can see you can see how it's so close, but God being all in all actually allows space for the dignity of all of creation, which isn't a um, consummation of, of creation and the consumption of creation are two different realities. Mm. And what it is to have the, the dignity of difference in the midst of an eschatology. Um, but so many people who have been like, God is elsewhere, have heard that God is everything and gone, this is a better gospel. Yes. And uh, I can see why Kendrick like went there. But yeah. what I hear you pointing out to me is something that is actually deeper still is, is that what if like God is all in all doesn't mean God is everything, but that God is in everything and everything is in God. Yes. And that's where we're heading. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that we look at like the killing of like Trayvon Martin and say, well, there is a higher purpose for these things. Like there, there is like um, uh, God is in uh, me. God is in like that tragic killing. God is in. And it's like no, we've got to find a way to say no. Mm -hmm. Like we we have to have a radical critique of death not being the final word. Yeah. Instead of trying to um, go no no death serves to like a right yeah exactly Drew exactly and what it is to take seriously that it is um, the crucified and resurrection one resurrected one um who hands over and relaxes into that future as well that's a very different journey than these popular options that america wants to hand out which is a dispensational god is elsewhere um or even kendrick as much as i, I love him mm -hmm. like the god is everything isn't quite it and it, it might meet some of those needs but i don't know if it's gonna actually minister in such a way that it's gonna help us take up our cross um, instead of glorify crucifixion of those who are suffering. Yeah, I, I like that you say that because I do, you know, I care about trying to bridge that. I, I want to make the knowledge of Jesus and just like I want to remove cobwebs to, so that people can get in front of Jesus without all the mm. extra, see him and love him and be inspired by kind of what he calls his followers to. And a lot of that has to do with like helping people work backwards from where they are. Like it's, it's to me, like when I think about black students and stuff like this, like with Kendrick, for instance, like it's antiphonal. I need to actually be able to hear mm. their stuff <laughs> and respond mm -hmm. with mine and show how all of those things connect back into this wisdom. Right. And that mm. that's really fun to do. So that, to know that like, Okay, what what Kendrick is working with is is it's almost there. How then do we also talk about resurrection, cross, all of these things? And and it hasn't it it used to feel so urgent and burdensome, and now it just feels delightful. Like that's right. Now, like that's how it. do I make this 
I can listen. I could really, I really could probably make anything connect back to Jesus. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know why I'm <laughs> like that, but I, I just can. I I can't unsee him. So I see him in everything. And so, like, even if even as I embrace like new spirituality and that kind of a stuff. Well, it's just, I come and I go in the name of Jesus. I'm coming in, mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus, and I'm not leaving up out of here without Jesus. But I mm-hmm. will look around, I will explore. Like, I'm. there is nothing that is not, um, I, I want people to look at Jesus as a trusted guide. Like, mm-hmm. um, as they learn, as they grow, as they experience spirituality. And I, I'm like, we do need that grounding. I, I was talking to a girl at one of the book things and she was like, yeah, I just, I'm um, like, I, I believe in spirit and da, da, And it just, it was cute, but it just wasn't grounded. You could tell she was so aimless. Like there was no mm. anchor for her. Um, and that can sometimes make people feel like they're kind of just out here. There are a lot of people out here like that and you can't really yeah. follow like, okay, but you know, where's this going and why? And what about, the five-year-olds like do you have an idea for them or like mm-hmm. you know those types of things i think a lot of times are missing from some of this like um how would you say like freeing freeing of ourselves i don't think the stuff is demonic i think it comes from god mm-hmm. i'm not on that tip mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's right. just let the record reflect that i think it's i don't think any of it is demonic i do think it's really helpful for me because it's my tradition like that i come and i go in the name of jesus right and yeah. like but I've seen that. things like, you know, I, you see things. Paul's like, I saw things I can't even tell y'all about. Like, I, I don't even have <laughs> language. So that stuff has happened to me post unleavening. Right. But uh, it's like, I'm able to take exp- those experiences and be like, ah, this was already in the text. <laughs> like yeah. that has been so exciting for me um, because I really do want, I don't want, I, I, it's almost like, if Jesus is who Jesus says he is, then like he's got to be around every corner. Like how, That's how right. do you like I, I don't know why you would expect him not to be there. So then in yeah. that case, like, you know, holiness and all of that stuff, that stuff is about like your posture. It's not about what you mm. listen to or where you go. It's mm-hmm. about it's not proximity, it's posture, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that to me feels like if you start from God is everything god is in everything and everything is in god then you start thinking about passage like okay so what will the son of man find you doing oh wait a minute yeah okay, okay so there's clearly something about don't just be sitting around waiting on me <laughs> like there's clearly that in the gospels right so then okay so what does it look like to build a society and be a people that god feels at home with yes come um, on so then, okay. So then you got to ask yourself, well, well, what is God like? Right. Mm-hmm. And these are all questions that just create really delightful journeys. Like, I mean, yeah. just because you're not, there's no pressure. That's um, right. And that's been so amazing to love God and be me fully and not feel pressure. It's like you get community, you get growth, you get, I mean, I am confronted, I'm getting confronted by my ego, you know, like all of that stuff, but it's still like, Hey, like I'm growing and I'm changing and I'm becoming me. And I'm really getting like tapped into like what that Christ in you passage is like about, like, yeah, really, it's, 
it's in here. <laughs> like, like it's in there. Like it's Christ in you. You got to know you. You got to be honest with you. You got to talk to you. Like mm. there's no other way to do this. So that's mm. been really, really life-giving. And I don't know how we, I don't know. I mean, a couple of us in this community have been talking about what do we call ourselves? Do we like, these are questions I think we ask uh, because all that I just said, that's still true for me. Mm-hmm. But Christianity right now, like the name, how, what do we do with it? How how do we <laughs> identify ourselves? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't so know. Nice, uh, uh, sorry, Drew, you go. No, I was just going to say, like, I think, I mean, that's, that's the challenge, right? When When Christianity has so intertwined itself with systems of oppression, with domination, yeah. with empire, with mm-hmm. nationalism, um, which is not a new problem, right? This has been going on for centuries. <laughs> um, we we're just in one particular iteration of it, right? Of yes. an ongoing problem. But but I love, I mean, in some ways, what you have been talking about is inviting us into, I mean, you've used the language of being grounded in Jesus, right? And anchored and all these other kind of ways of thinking about. And when you were talking earlier about like seeing Jesus everywhere, all of a sudden it made me think of Hebrews. Um, so Hebrews 2. Um, the, so it says, as it is, as it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. Then verse Mm. nine, but we do see Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Right. But we do see Jesus. Right. And, um, and we could preach on that. Right. I mean, I think we don't have to have this kind of universal got it all figured out. We don't need to be the divine one. We don't need to play. Um, you know, all the fundamentalist certainty games where we've got all the answers to everything. Um, we just got to see Jesus, right? Um, uh, and we don't have to diminish anybody else's faith walk from other traditions and religions, uh, for us to be able to see Jesus and to be transformed by his liberating presence in our lives. Right. I think that there's something really powerful about, uh, that invitation to live into the particularity of who God has been revealed in Jesus and also honor that there's so much else going on in our fight, little, a little finite, you know, experiences. We haven't grasped it all. We haven't exhausted it all. Um, there's so much more and that we can learn from others in the process because of that. Oh my gosh. Yes. And they are so generous, even in that. That's what I'm saying. I'm seeing this in the scriptures. I didn't see it before, but like, mm. they're so generous. The, the writer of Hebrews, because they say, in various times and various mm-hmm. ways, God mm-hmm. has spoken to our fathers. Mm-hmm. But today, he speaks through the son. Do you know how kind that is to pay yeah. homage to other expressions and other experiences of God before yeah. God spoke to our, to us through his son? Like, mm-hmm. there were people before Jesus. There were yeah. There was religions. There were, I mean, who was speaking to Abraham? Like, how did Abraham recognize his voice? Like, mm-hmm. there are all of these things that we can go, gosh, this is expansive. Yeah. And mm. I was given a Christianity that made the world so small that, wow. like that a 17-year-old boy could break the world for me, right? Mm. And now I'm looking, I'm going, these scriptures are like so expensive. Where can you go from God's spirit? Like that's right. It's all in all. Like this that's is expensive. Right to me and so jesus becomes not this like figure that will throw me in fiery flames if i don't say the right prayer jesus becomes this this really helpful um thing i can grab onto an anchor in the midst of all of this like Mm. so kind of god 
to come oh, so close to have oh, hands man. and feet. Like, come on, like to take naps and like, you know, say stuff, <laughs> you know, those types of things are like such a kindness that all of that extra stuff we put on Jesus, like it really robs us of the kindness of what incarnation was. It was yeah. just like and clarity, yeah. clarity, clarity, like that is so kind of God. Like, yeah. so I don't know where it's going. Oh, I do know where it's going. I don't know how it's going to get there. I think is where I'm at now, but I, mm. I know where it's going and I believe the testimony. Um, mm. And I don't feel shame about that. Like I, I mm. you know, what else is funny is I feel less embarrassed about being a follower of Jesus than I ever had in my life. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Cause what's shameful about that? I mean, exactly. Who are mad about that are, you know, Kings and tyrants. Like, mm-hmm. Who's mad about following Jesus? Like, yeah. so it just feels really good to, to be alive right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I could go on and on. I, I get real jazzed about it because it's just. Well, it's exciting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it, it's actually um, like Drew was talking about. Um, you know those pressures that people are made to play fundamentalist games. Who wants to play those games when you you can play with Christ in a thousand places to quote Jared Manley Hopkins. You know what I mean? It's, it's like if, and um, uh, a, a passage that I've been meditating on recently um, in Mark four of it's the opening parable where Jesus is out at sea and he starts teaching about like a farmer who is spreading seed. And if you're, if you're trapped in a paradigm that says like um, uh, Jesus is dispensing and you have to be a dispenser. And is your soil good? Is the mm. soil of your heart ready to receive? Or um, what are the... And what's fascinating about that text, if you actually take time to consider it in Jesus' context, I'm not sure if anybody's seen Jesus as the farmer. That part. I'm pretty sure if you've heard Jesus pray or you're listening to the one that Jesus is teaching about, you understand the one that he calls Abba mm-hmm. as the farmer. And so the question is, so what is the seed? What is the seed that is liberally just everywhere or like, and, and is falling and the question becomes, how are we receiving what is actually found everywhere? Like it, it's, it's um, God will be all in all and God is at work everywhere. And if we move from um, like this kind of theism where God is elsewhere and we don't automatically jump to pantheism where god is everything and we lose a critique of evil injustice sin oppression death um and we instead go panentheism where god is in everything and everything is in god and that which is resistant to god will not be resistant to god forever because god will be all in all Mm. well suddenly we're talking eschatology which was common to the early christians where you look at their practice and I mean, how is it that they're able to have that kind of generosity with their, um, like, Paul in Acts 17? Um, you, you know, here is somebody who's uh, trained to, like, smash idols um, <laughs> and previously was willing to organize the taking of life to keep doctrine pure. And instead, he's going into this pagan setting and finding an idol to the unknown God. And to let me talk about the resurrection here because apparently Christ is playing here as well. Now, that's someone who sees that Christ is a seed that has been generously, like, given everywhere 
in all places and suddenly it's not like mission as in like i'm at the center of a story and i have to go do these things or else but it's about witness and have i undergone this reality mm-hmm. um where where we're going is actually coming here and can i relax into that future which like disarms us because yes. the future is this like crucified power mm-hmm. that is stronger than death Jared. Yes. That changes your spiritual practice, right? Like that that changes how you um uh, I, I laughed earlier to me because I um uh in my I guess I was 21, I was still um studying fine arts at Curtin University. Um uh, and I had a, a a friend who um is Jewish and orthodox Jewish and he was listening to me kind of talk about my spirituality at out getting coffee with some friends. And he goes, why do you do that? And I, I said, what? And he goes, all that like follower of Rabbi, like Yeshua, Yoshka thing. Why, why do you do that? Like, and I, I was like, because that's what, and he goes, just say you're a Christian. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he's like, as a Jew, I just want to hear Christians say that they're Christians. I understand that you have problem with other Christians. I get it. But just own that you're a Christian. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was, that was such a, um, yeah. Because part of the part of my journey, um, and I'm not saying that my journey is everybody's journey. If people find another term that is helpful, you go for it. I'm just talking about. But part of my journey spiritually for me was um, no longer trying to disassociate myself from that which disgusted me, mm. and trying to find that Christ was actually there even in my enemies, even if that my enemies call themselves Christian and rejected me because of their Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, part of my spiritual journey has actually been, um, you can't have this term. And mm. part of my prophetic witness is going to be, no, it's me too. Mm. And, um, I'm, I'm not going to define myself over and against, and nor am I going to hand over mm. to you, um, that which is precious to me. Mm. Um, and you have to deal with it, not me. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that's for everyone, but for mm. me, that has been really, really significant in terms mm. of, um, uh, learning to relax even in the presence of that which um, uh, damned me, kicked me out, rejected me, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that that has been part of, like, me becoming, hopefully, I pray daily, a, a place where the all in all can actually be embraced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really, really good. I hadn't thought about it like that. That makes yeah. a lot of it's interesting when I, I, it probably in the last year, I've been in situations where I've both, um, I've both probably took a posture kind of, especially with my students, right? So, so when I'm in the classroom, my students all want to, especially as they say, so like, let's say they've been going through, they just finished reading James Cone, Kelly Brown Douglas, oh, all of a sudden now it. they want to like distance themselves from all yeah. of American Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I usually push back at that moment, but that said, I also, there's something deeply profound about, I think about like Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, mm-hmm. who are able to, yeah. with precision, name the hypocrisies, right? Um, mm-hmm. precisely at the moments when people want to claim and think ownership over Christianity and then mm. to bear witness to the hypocrisy of the way of life of Jesus and what they're living out, right? And so I think there's a prophetic witness there that is also so yeah, 
all, all that to say is, um, contextually, I think I practice that at different times in different ways, hmm. kind of yeah. thinking about, you know, what is the witness? What is the challenge? Who, who are we engaging? Um, and in what yeah. ways, I don't know. So those are some of the kind of, yeah. it's not an answer to the the challenge of how do we name ourselves? But I do think I do push against myself in terms of worrying about how other people will perceive me and not letting that be an, a reason for why, right? Because right? I'm too embarrassed. Like that yeah. should not be why I'm distancing or shame or things like that. Mm. Uh, but hopefully it's prophetic witness and faithfulness yeah. and love for others um, yeah. and a commitment, especially for those that are most vulnerable right in our communities that we kind of identify and speak in the ways that we do. I don't know. That's no. true. I mean, I had thought of it. I hadn't thought about it like that because I'm thinking, okay, Antioch, you know, they're called Christians at Antioch and they're, it, people are observing the way they do life together. Right. People of the way, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So that that's a helpful way. And I guess it's really, it's coming clear to me now the ways that what a Christian, what being a Christian means or has meant has always been about doctrinal assent. Like what types Ooh. of doctrinal statements do I affirm? Um, what types of beliefs do I have about eschatology or Christology right. or those types of things? And so people, and that's just, it's, it's interesting to me because now I'm realizing, yeah, there's always been tons of Christianities. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I guess I just hadn't thought about that. Like, how do we demonstrate that? Like, Hey, we want to be known by what we do. And how we love and and this title can come or go, but like hopefully our 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 community, our community of practice, the ways that we live and move that you can tell who we are. And that part I hadn't thought about. It had sh so shifted for me into like, what do you believe about Jesus? That's what makes you a Christian as mm -hmm. opposed to like, what do you believe about your neighbor and the world? Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> that's completely different. Uh, which, but that feels more like the Antioch thing than like, do you believe in A, B, or C? That's helpful. That's really yeah. Helpful. Let me think about that. Um, yeah. Verse 22, how's this for like eschatology that'll mess with the places that like um, you come out of? Uh, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So whoever the fall applies to, so does this. Absolutely. Come on, that's, Jared. I want to say that, it. That's what, that's what Paul says. I want to say it. You said <laughs> um, but it. Each you? in their own turn. Christ the first fruit. Yes. Then he will come, when he comes to those who belong to him. And then the end will come and he will hand over all things to the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion and authority and power. For he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. And the question for me becomes is like, okay, how is Jesus going to dis destroy all dominion, all authorities, all power? And how does it's Jesus put enemies uh, uh, under his feet? Yes. Because it if, if, it's, if it's all... And Jesus is destroying all things. And this is Jesus giving um, uh, to God the Father. Like, um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, this is a text, right? Like, yes. does Jesus win by loving his enemies like he tells us to do? 
Mm-hmm. I think so. Because, because if so, part of the reason why Jesus doesn't, like, um, Paul goes on about, like, God not being placed under Jesus is because Jesus is the revelation mm-hmm. of that reality. Mm-hmm. And so God is not placed under because God does not need to change like everything else in reality. God is already loving God's enemies, and that's why God gave of God's self in the Son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is how God conquers. This is who God is. This is why God will be all in all. So places where we don't find that like transformative, dignity-giving enemy love that invites us into like a creative finding of ourselves and finding the humanity of others, mm-hmm. uh, there's still work to do. We can't call those things like this is God too. It's like, no, no, no. We see clearly yes. like it's it's in the crucified one where we see the kind of power that God conquers with. Yes. Now that's that's a that's a different kind of humility to the like, oh, you do you, you know what I mean? It's like, no, no, I've got to learn of you. I've got to serve you as my neighbour, even as I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. And as we do those things, like um, we find we can relax into that future that approaches us as a gift, mm-hmm. approaches us with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I loved what you said about like I feel less ashamed um, than I ever have before because yeah. there's something about undergoing um, the detoxification of shame that happens in Jesus' presence that we don't feel ashamed because those things are taken away. We feel no longer ashamed because those things don't name us the same way they used to do. Yeah. Would you talk to that a little bit? Because I know that's been so significant in this season for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go right back to your, your Luke 14, uh, because that's the way I'm thinking about Jesus taking shame. I, I, it's still very profound. The, so the, there was an illustration. If you've seen Billy Madison and kid wets his pants, (laughs) Billy Madison goes over and wets his pants and starts to kind of like basically re-narrate what happens. Like, actually, this is what's cool. <laughs> like, so this thing that was shameful gets repurposed and and reconfigurated. And now all of a sudden, the thing that brings you shame, the cool person also has wet pants. And to me, it's like, that's the taking on of shame. Not yeah. that like, not that I have to go and hide from the places that I'm growing and changing and the places that, that my the ways that trauma causes me to cope sometimes cause me to cause harm, like whether I mean to or not, like that I don't have to hide that, that I can bear that and also say like, I'm actually flawed, but that doesn't make me unlovable. And like, I have proof because the cool guy's pants are wet too. (laughs) Like, because (laughs) if this person who has only loved, only told the truth, um, it's called a blasphemer and a wine bibber and a glutton and a bastard in John eight. Like mm-hmm. he didn't do nothing to nobody. He just came and was doing kind things <laughs> in the name of God. Mm-hmm. They called him all those names. It's kind of like, well, shoot, like then I do be doing some stuff wrong. So what God does is like, it's like with amigos say, like you take the S out the snake, like you take the S out the snake, you take the sting out of the shame. <laughs> like, like, okay, so my pants is wet, so are his, and it's cool. So so now you've got nothing. And I, I do see yeah. that, like, I do see that in thinking about the cross and thinking about Jesus taking our shame and, and how that makes 
um, it, it makes being a Christian, I'll use Christian, um, today, ouchy. It, it's a little ouchy because mm. you got to be vulnerable. Like, because mm. the, 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 the stuff that Jesus is calling us to is not reactive compassion. It's proactive compassion. That's it's right. Proactive kindness. It's proactive dignity and respect for people. And that means like, whether we think they deserve it or not, whether they reciprocate, like that's real vulnerable. I mean, you're out mm. there and you've got to have some sort of a grounding in order to be able to do that consistently. And I think that, that that's what's happening in Genesis three, the shame, it's the shame. It's, it's so thinking about Jesus taking my shame is completely different. Thanks to you. I mean, you really, that message was incredible. Cause it was like, Oh, Oh, he just reconfigures what would be shameful. Makes so much sense. And I never, I never saw it before. So that's my answer. My answer is mm. your sermon. <laughs> um, seriously. I mean, it was powerful, Jared. It was really powerful. Y'all got to listen to it. it. It was game changer for me. Mm. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now, Drew, I'm, I'm aware we've been hogging to Mason. There's so many people here gathered that they love yeah. her. Um, right. We should probably open up this um, for for Q and A, um, some, but Nia's here, and Nia's internalized in me as the voice that somebody should pray before we before we like. Um, so those who are on the Patreon, this conversation will continue, um, and uh, there's Q and A here that um, is accessible for those who um, uh, want to take part in that. Um, Shall we ask Naya again? Is that the only appropriate way forward? <laughs> Normally we ask our guests. So I don't know if Timis would be willing to close us out in prayer for all of okay. Would you let Naya off the hook? Yeah, I'll let, I'll let sis off the hook. <laughs> You're going to pray for me later, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's right. <laughs> Holy Spirit, let's just... um. In the spirit of Anastasia, we're going to put our feet on the ground mm -hmm. and take a deep breath in and out. Holy Spirit, here we are uh, because here you are. We thank you for, gosh, we thank you for Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you for even the ways that these tumultuous lives have put a smack dab in front of Jesus. And as we like clean off what that means, as we take our time jumping back, maybe even into the text, as we do whatever it takes um, to let you heal us and bind up our wounds, we thank you that you are here. Um, and because you're here, we're here and we love you and we thank you. And we, um, I just, I can't wait to see what happens uh, when the kingdom gets handed over and you are um, all in all. I'm excited about that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The Inverse Podcast is proudly supported by you, the listener. And if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash inverse.